Thank you for tuning in to Sparks and Honey's Daily Culture Briefing. My name is Ben Grinspan, and today we're going to be looking at culture in the vertical, using Q, our cultural intelligence platform, to unpack trends and changes in human behavior. Uh, and joining me today as my co-briefer is the wonderful Kat Lynn. We're also joined by Saif Ahmed and a uh, familiar face to some Sparks and uh, Honey people who have been tracking us for a while, and the guy who used to have my very own job uh, hosting the Daily Culture Briefing, Dan Gold, is Thank back you. in the fold. And we're thrilled to see him. He's, he's very impressed by the studio. I don't know if you guys uh, can tell. Uh, now, Dan, you spent some time hanging out in tech, so we wanted to bring you in today to talk about uh, some new developments in the world of, of CX. And obviously, Saif is our, is our CTO, and Kat decided to nerd out with me. So you know, this is part of some of the, the work that we've been doing uh, for a number of clients, thinking about the ways in which uh, consumers engage with brands digitally, right? And, and the ways in which um, you know, uh, really exciting technology are kind of changing that. Tomorrow, we're actually talking about augmented reality. Um, so we've got a little bit of a theme uh, for part of this week, but I'm really excited to dive in here uh, and learn a little bit more about, about CX and customer experience. Um, and, you know, our questions are going to be fairly simple today, right? So what new and novel technologies are, are redefining the future of CX? And how will those innovations impact consumers' privacy, preferences, and even brand expectations. So we're going to get a little far-fetched today. We're going to look her far-fetched. We're going to get a little futuristic. We're going to look at some really hot new technologies. And uh, I'm, I'm excited to get experimental Sparks and Honey employees uh, new and old. Um, so let's jump into our zeitgeist map just before we start here to understand the trends. I think this is unsurprising frictionless, which is our element of culture about the value of removing friction, removing barriers, uh, is our top trend here by a long, by a country mile. Makes a lot of sense to me. I'm excited to see things like super apps, thinking about the ways in which uh, perhaps uh, mobile technology could play a role here. And even things like warm tech, where basically we ask our technology to be a little more human and uh, even a little uh, you know, designed in a way that might feel a little bit older um, uh, might be valuable. Uh, Kat, what do, you, what do you see here? What do you like? What do you think is valuable for us as we get into this somewhat futuristic conversation about those frontiers of customer experience? Yeah, and I love that you said futuristic, because I want to point out near nostalgia here on the bottom right, which yeah. is, you know, we would think not futuristic, but there's a lot of possibilities here for AI, biometric, all this good stuff to help us relive experiences that we had as kids, but now with more frictionless, uh, refined brand experiences. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I mean, what we really do have here is this interesting mix of some sort of more future-focused ones, so think multi-sensory experiences, shoppable content, mixed reality, but then also some things that are pretty fundamental to the customer experience, radical transparency, near nostalgia, the value of frictionlessness. So I think that's a little bit of one of the tensions that we're going to explore today. Um, so let's, let's dive on in. Um, and, and one thing we've learned about customer experience innovation from, from doing the research for this briefing is kind of a dirty little secret that I thought we'd start with. And that's that uh, companies really don't invest all that much in, in CX. The signal, uh, which comes to us from the India Times, speaks about some global concerns uh, facing brands as they think about CX, chiefly that most customers themselves don't think companies spend enough time thinking about the practice. And whether you're shopping in Bangalore or in Baltimore, that's a pretty big problem, right? As this piece notes, quote, efforts to optimize internal operations uh, have possibly taken a backseat to more visible customer-facing priorities uh, like revamping websites or increasing the number of support channels. What companies don't realize is that back-end inefficiencies directly affect what customers do. So that's in part what we're talking about today, right? So new CX innovations are, optimi are, are optimizing the back-end 
and the front end at the same time, and that's really expensive, right? This is a big proposition for a brand to say, we want to fundamentally change our, our CX. They're often fiddling around with things like, you know, what if we reconfigure the website, would really maybe thinking about, I don't know, AR technology and, and biometrics might be a big part of that CX journey. And I'm struck a little bit as we have this conversation because obviously the customer journey has changed enormously in the past two years and change, right? The pandemic, I think, changed what that means faster, perhaps, than uh, any other moment in, uh, you know, in retail history. So I guess my question is, do we, um, maybe what lessons have we learned in the past two years uh, about how CX has changed and, and how it changed both for the C-suite and for customers themselves? And, and Saif, I might ask you to, to start us off today. Sure. One, one thing that I'm always struck by is how easy it is uh, to work with the streaming platforms, for example. You go add more channels, you add premium channels. You don't have to talk to a customer service anymore, right? And, and so one thing that I think I've learned yeah. is there's a lot of people who want to spend money yeah. if you make it easy enough for them to do so, yeah. right? With, without all of the contracts and everything. Yeah, and that is something they talk about in, in this article, the value of both the ability to sign up for something on your own and good customer experience, which frankly is both a back-end and a front-end innovation uh, concern. Dan? I think, I think it's super important to have both of those covered because one of the things that's happened is like we've hyper-accelerated like how things have evolved during the pandemic. Like technology has evolved, like the way you can order things has evolved. But what's gone down over that time period is customer service. Like you look across the board, like wait times, um, so I think there's a huge opportunity to like rebalance some of the technology that maybe it's like has gotten over yeah. over tacked, um, and then bringing in more of the human element where you need it because we we kind of have to balance where we went to. Yeah, I love that. We actually had an insight for uh, a major retail brand doing some work for them uh, in the winter about um, CX. Basically, just what you were saying, we've gotten so good at doing really fast delivery, for example, that oftentimes the delivery experience that you have is not as good as you want it to be, right? Yeah. People are prioritizing same-day shipping, and then, you know, the, the delivery guy is like, throwing the box in the bushes, right? We've, uh, we, we have over-tech this a, a little bit, and I, I think what we'll see with a lot of these signals is that, is that uh, back and forth between how do we get the technology as fast and frictionless as possible, but also accounting for that human element. I mean, I think, I think frictionless is obviously a huge component of this, but there's something we've talked about in the past, like building friction in it actually makes it feel more special in some ways. It's like having to wait for something instead of getting it on demand. Yeah. Uh, well, let's dive into one of these futuristic signals, shall we? So, uh, as I said, tomorrow we're going to be talking a little bit more about AI, AR. Um, but I thought this is really cool and something to talk about to understand kind of how to read emerging CX signals and stories for, uh, for maybe some bigger human truths, right? So we'll start here with Niantic Labs, uh, which wants to push how relevant and perfectly situated good CX can be with their new Lightship Visual Positioning System, or VPS, uh, which enables developers to determine the position and orientation of their users and anchor AR content within a centimeter level position uh, for this sort of real-world immersive AR experiences. Uh, developers can then use this technology to add locations to Niantic's uh, AR map. You can see that here of a bunch of different uh, global cities. Um, and then, you know, develop experiences based on that. And, and, and so I guess the question is, what would this look like in real life, the CS experience? Well, you know, imagine taking a trip a couple blocks away to, say, Saks Fifth Avenue uh, and having the story uh, and having, you know, AR tell you uh, exactly the story of the garment you're facing. So you're looking at a beautiful, 
Italian cashmere blazer. It knows exactly what position in the store you are, what you're facing, and then can, perhaps can feed you some content about, um, I don't know, those cashmere goats uh, whose, whose hair made that beautiful uh, blazer possible. That's pretty different in some ways than what we've seen in CX before, which is pretty good at understanding kind of generally where you are, but not the position that you are, and certainly not the centimeter level uh, uh, data that, that is required. And you can imagine what that consumer experience would be like if we move it out of, say, Saxon Avenue to you know, the, the Smithsonian or to McDonald's. There's a, really, there's a lot of application here for not just location, but directional AR uh, as well. So um, I guess thinking a little bit about this technology with even bigger, what, like, what good CX practices do you guys see here? And more importantly, what can brands look to to, to spot sort of CX advances like this? And, and Kat, I might ask you to, to start here. Yeah, well, I'm going to start with the fact that it's enhancing the little things versus replacing an entire task. Like, you can still go to Saks Fifth Avenue and not have this and still enjoy your shopping experience. Yeah. This doesn't replace your browsing activity, you know, you asking a salesperson for anything. It just enhances, you know, your browsing journey. So you can live or live without it. I think that's a really important part. And the ability to opt out is a really big part of CX because nobody wants to be forced to endure or look at something that they don't want to. Yeah, uh, before Sparks and Honey, I spent some time working in ad tech and the company I was at acquired a beacon company that basically was going to wait for you to go around the grocery store and feed you ads as you walked around. So first of all, that required <laughs> Bluetooth to be on. And it was just, it always sounded so invasive and I, that technology clearly did not take off. So I love what you were saying about the ability to opt out or opt in. That's a really important fundamental, I think. Yeah, some of that does exist though. Like, sure, uh, yes. it's, actually, it's actually insane how in, how integrated it is with like, with like Google searches and, and what you see. So some of that do, do, definitely does exist. And I think I think people would be up for it if they're getting enough benefit. But um, yeah, as long as it's not too invasive, and you can yeah. kind of, uh, there's, there would be levels to where you can opt in. Yeah. To clarify, the idea was that that was that was they they wanted you to pick up a Pringles can, and every time you touched anything, to get served an ad about that. <laughs> this feels like a little bit more advanced than that. So w w one of the interesting things here is uh, when I developed mobile uh, apps with location before, you actually spent half the time trying to get the location and direction and bearing. Yeah. Right. And and the other half actually doing what you want to do. Mm. Now imagine you have a provider like like here where they take away all of that burden, we get a lot more experimentation. The cost goes down. Yeah. And if the cost goes down, you can do more interesting things without having to worry about monetizing. Yeah, totally. Um, so let's look at another maybe human value here and some new things and, and talk a little bit about uh, risk and authentication. Yeah, so our next signal here is from Pindrop, um, which I did learn about, but actually have a lot to be grateful for for them because they're in <laughs> information security firm that uh, assesses risk for phone calls, so to either detect fraud or authenticate who is calling. So in line with this noble objective, they recently released their uh, voice mismatch feature, which can detect whether the voice on the phone matches the account holder for that phone account, or maybe within that family of that phone account. Um, and that's a really a level of authentication that's often missing from today's call centers, so that's kind of why we get on authentication inauthenticated phone calls coming in. Yeah. And when you think of how this works, they actually cite a really oddly specific instance of, quote, it is not difficult to imagine a disgruntled son using his father's cell phone to call in and change an insurance policy or to get into his account for more devious machinations. Um, and of course, this can work for accounts that are only used by one person or even a shared account like a family where they have real-time voice clustering capabilities that can easily authenticate different voices in real time. 
And so altogether, this delivers, again, a very frictionless, very secure experience for customers because we know as far as technology can go or as society can go, none of us can avoid talking on the phone. Um, so this is a really interesting signal of how security continues to evolve in CX. And my question for the panel today here is, um, what other types of security features do we expect to become the new normal, maybe by you know, CX 2025, which could be a future briefing. This is super interesting because there's a couple different things. Like, I, I'm wondering if this application already exists in, like, Amazon Assistant, Google Assistant, mm -hmm. so, like, your mm -hmm. kids aren't ordering stuff. Yeah. But on the flip side, what about deep fakes? That technology has, like, it's gotten pretty amazing. So can you deep, can you deep fake the boy? I'm not sure. Yeah, maybe. Um, I mean, that, that is a really good point. And I, I'd actually tag it to some work we did right before the pandemic about um, the ways in which uh, voice technology is used in the healthcare space. There were these papers that were coming out where you could basically predict people's likelihood of, of getting like neurodegenerative diseases based on the timbre of, of their voice. And I think a lot of that technology is showing up here. So I, I think one important thing about CX that we have to remember here is that you know, good ideas in one place will bleed into another, right? So just as something can be useful in the healthcare space, it can pop up in retail. And frankly, I think we're also going to see a lot more of that in the reverse as well as baby boomers age, as people are asking more of the, of the medical technology in front of them, and we'll get a little bit into this. We may see more of those great retail ideas pop up in healthcare as well. Yeah, I, I would be a little concerned here about how widely this works. Mm -hmm. uh, like I have an accent. These automated systems often don't work for me, but they work in the commercials. Yeah. Uh, and that becomes very frustrating when it's working for some of your friends and not for you. Yeah. Right. Yeah, if we actually jump to the next signal, so I'm glad you mentioned um, healthcare as well as um, you know, language differences. Um, so now talking about talking with AI instead of talking on the phone, uh, LifeOmic, which is a precision medicine software company, they recently acquired an AI conversation platform called Bavard. And Bavard uses natural language processing, as Q does as well, to allow users to chat in any language, but also receive responses that aren't informed by past interactions. So maybe your past uh, words of choice or your past uh, tone of voice is now being reflected back to you when you talk to this uh, AI chatbot. Um, so what Lifeomic will do is that they'll use this platform to provide AI-powered customer support on their website and their mobile apps to really further that customer-centric experience that's really important to health and wellness. Um, and when asked about it, the co-founder and CEO of Vivard, Angelique Brown, mentioned that the majority of people are spending more time online and the need to optimize the experience is greater than ever. We created Vivard's conversational platform to engage with users around the clock even after a live support team has gone home. So together with LifeOmic, we are excited to leverage this cutting-edge technology in the health and wellness industry to help organizations deliver better user experiences at scale. So of course, AI is nothing, nothing new to us. Uh, AI chat is a very familiar feature these days. Um, but for the panel here, I'd love to hear, you know, what are some of your predictions for AI chat and chatbots? Um, how can we see or expect brands to use them beyond conversational purposes, perhaps? Uh, I've got two, two main ideas. Like the first one is I think there's, you know, kind of like what we do, it's the interplay between the human and the technology where the AI might take on it first and if it kind of goes beyond it, Capacity, someone can jump in seamlessly. So I think that's really interesting. The other thing I think about too, and I think you had a great point in the beginning about not relying on past experiences because we sometimes these systems tend to over-optimize or get overly specific. Um, and one example that I've seen on YouTube is like, there's this like quote, it's like bless the algorithm. First, when people find surprising things mm -hmm. that had nothing to do with what they were searching before. So like, how 
they built that somehow. How can you build more of that in? Yeah. That, that becomes more human-like um, when it's not just like more of the same recommendation or biases based in the past. So I think that's a really good avenue. I love that, but I am, I, I'm interested because it's funny because you said health and wellness, right? Mm -hmm. We have to remember, I think, that to me sounds perfect for wellness. I would love to call up and ask questions about like my skincare routine and get, you know, or but I don't know I have much of a skincare routine, but, um, you know, you want a little, a little serendipity in there is something yeah. I think you'd really value. Um, at the same time, if I was a major, if I was a major hospital system trying to do this, right, I would think you'd maybe sort of want a little bit of the, the opposite of that and that we turn to doctors in many ways to reassure us, you know, you don't want surprising news from them. And so a really adept technology could do both that really smart idea yeah. of making sure that there's some serendipity, but also gives that CX of, of assurance and knowing that if I'm calling up, you know, my hospital or whatever at 3 a.m. to ask a question about reaction to medicine that the chat bot that I'm talking with point. Yeah. can get to the point, give me the information I need, and make me feel like the information is trustworthy. Um, all right, well, let's take things uh, to the Southern Hemisphere here for a second and look at um, another, perhaps, human need here, and that's, uh, I don't know, could let it's consent, right? Yes. Um, so tell us about uh, what Kmart in Australia is doing. Yeah, so as the headline's pretty clear, uh, Kmart Australia has recently kind of internalized, or they're beginning to internalize this consent as a service platform, which will collect and manage customer consent data for personalization, advertising, and analytics purposes. Um, so we have Deloitte and customer data platform Telium kind of heading this with Kmart Australia. And they're currently in the process of preparing for a front-end launch of this platform to see how it will look and how it will integrate into their operations. But as for what this platform will do when it's fully adopted and ready to go, um, this news piece mentions that you know, the retailer will intend to give customers full control over their preferences and, and seek explicit consent for how information about the customer can be used. Now, I feel like we've all heard that before when we like accept cookies on a website and blindly click accept all so it can read the article. Yeah. But the differentiator here is that Kmart Australia will have all consent data in one central place. Whether you click accept all those cookies or you subscribe to a newsletter or other platforms, this will all be in one place. That way, if a customer does have any concerns or they want their data wiped, they can just go to Kmart and Kmart will take care of this in one fell swoop. And furthermore, while this platform is built from the ground up, it will also take into account customers that have already consented. So it's a intended to be a really uh, seamless kind of transition. That way, uh, customers don't have to like, re-sign up again or you know, reaccept those cookies. It's already all taken care of. So I want to leverage the expertise of our tech panelists here, as I'll call you both. Um, what are some considerations for brands when centralizing consent management? You know, how should they communicate this to customers who are less tech savvy? That's a tough one. I mean, it's, on one hand, it sounds really good because it's all in one place. You don't have to go to a lot of different places. But then how can I trust it? How can I trust that that's not going to get hacked if it's like all of my stuff is there and it's yeah. my, the story right. of my life that plays out when I go shopping. Um, so like if it was like a Google, I would, so whoever they're partnering with, I would make sure that they have a great security story and right. reality. Mm -hmm. so. You want to see the word encrypted a fair amount, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Saif, what do you think? Uh, I, I think it's a great step up from where we are, right? Okay. Um, yeah. What I, the problem is I go to 50 different Kmarts, and I wish it was more of an industry consortium yeah. where mm, right. you could consolidate all of those interactions 
Um, but it, it's a step in the right direction for sure. So maybe a good opportunity for a retail conglomerate like the Limited Brands or something. So you're you're signing consent. You, you agree to the consent uh, at uh, I don't know Abercrombie and Fitch, and that also allows you to shop and get the consent for uh, Victoria's yeah. Secret or, yeah. or something. This is an amazing idea because there's people playing this in this place. Like a lot of times you go to shop, there's like services which I don't remember the name, but like it'll have your info from other stores that have that same software. So I think that's wonderful. Yeah. And also there's so many different apps that kind of like collect information, you get points. If we can consolidate that as an industry, that'd be amazing. Yeah, mm -hmm. and I, I, very quickly, I'm gonna play anthropologist or sociologist here for, for one second, I'll get you Trevor. I'm struck by um, the, the difference in, the, the, you have to realize that CX is, is, is a cultural thing as much as it's a customer right. thing, right? So in Europe with the GDPR, there is like a ton of consent that you have to fill out constantly. I, I can't say I know all that much about the consent rules in Australia, but if you told me Australia looked more like Europe than it did like America when it came to this stuff, I would believe it because they have sort of like a more activist uh, uh, prote or, or protection uh, culture over there. And so, you know, it's funny to think that the CX in America for one brand, for Starbucks, might have to look different when you send it over to, to Germany because there would be fundamentally different concerns about what that customer experience a huge point. Like. Yeah. Trevor, do you want to say? Yeah, going into that intersection of bringing all of these different companies and those agreements for privacy together, and also our security discussion on those calls earlier, there's been a growing discussion around having these physical keys for your security and your access. And whenever that happens, it needs to be able to bring together your Google, your Meta, your Apple, all of these different tech groups need to bring together to have one solidified key. Because if you have a key chain and each of them costs $75, do that. So if that all comes together to effectively also not just handle my passwords, but also handle my privacy settings, that's just one fell swoop that is an easy investment for me as a consumer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Tag that to the frictionless EOC. Mm -hmm. um, so it wouldn't be a Sparks and Honey briefing without a couple signals uh, moving into the, the retail space here. And um, as it is with all things earthly and celestial, the future of CX is Rihanna. And while I don't think I should have to explain what I mean by that, for our audience, I will, as modern retail reports, Fenty, Rihanna's blockbuster beauty and fashion line, is jumping into advanced retail CX. So the signal reports that a few months ago, quote, Rihanna-backed Savage X Fenty announced it was partnering with Fitmatch for its first brick-and-mortar store in Las, in Las Vegas, uh, as well as for the rest of its stores throughout 2022. Now, Fitmatch uses LiDAR technology, which helps create a 3D scan of something or someone uh, based on the amount of time it takes for the light to reflect back to that item, right? So you are making these really, really fine uh, studies of, of different uh, structures, whether it's a human structure or, or you know, a, a product. Now, for Fitmatch, this technology allows the company to scan shoppers' bodies and, as you may have guessed here from the uh, imagery, um, find their bust and band measurements to find the perfect bra size uh, from Savage X Fenty for them to try on. Now, of course, if pop culture and stand-up comedy have told us anything, it's that finding the right bra size can be a ridiculously complicated task. Uh, there are studies that suggest that something like four in five women might actually be wearing, or, or four in five people, excuse me, might be wearing the wrong bra size. Now, uh, Fenty, uh, which is famous for its huge range of makeup palettes that can be personalized for almost any skin tone, seems to be taking this sort of personalization to that next level uh, with LiDAR technology, which I love that like something created uh, for, you know, probably by DARPA about 20 years ago is showing up in the, in the lingerie space. Now, Fitmox uh, app allows consumers uh, to store their fitting data after using uh, a Savage X Fenty store and then repurpose online later if you find another style 
uh, that you want. And the company says that customers can continue to shop from their living room uh, without having uh, to, to leave and go get remeasured. So that's another important aspect of this. And um, look, we've talked, I, I think if you've been reading anything about modern retail in the past couple of years, the virtual, uh, the virtual changing room has become a really big thing. It was supposed to be you know, the innovation in 2020 as people were mostly online shopping. But I don't know. I, I think it's been growing in, in fits and starts. And I guess my, my question, perhaps for everybody here, is does a Rihanna endorsement uh, change that for you? And does the Rihanna endorsement, is that perhaps the future, or a celebrity endorsement, is that perhaps an important thing for the future of, of CX? I, I mean, I think, first of all, this technology is like is needed because a lot of times different stores have different sizes, whether, whether it's browser or whether it's anything. So I think number one, being able to fit yourself perfectly in these stores, and I'll, I'll copy my last comment, putting that data somewhere so you know relative to other stores, what yeah. size am I gonna get? Tagging on top of that, if you think about like um, modern scales, I can like, they can see if your body fat percentage change, all this stuff, so it might make suggestions. Yeah. If you've gained some weight, like I did over the pandemic. Yeah, <laughs> right, sure. I, but I do like the idea that it is, uh, it, it can be dynamic sizing if we figure out a, a way to potentially do that. Any thoughts in the audience about if a Rihanna endorsement makes you more or less likely to, to purchase something? Jackie, can I put you on the spot for one second to talk a little a little fashion? Is this right for the Savage X Fenty brand? Um, I mean, if it works, yeah. I think it's a great application for, for profiting. I think in a perfect world, then, yeah, we would be able to, like, know our size and take that everywhere. But the reality is that, like, every brand will be packaged differently. Yeah. Some of it is, like, the same brand to brand. So if like a really loyal Savage Fenty consumer and it's part of their ecosystem and why they bought them yeah it, that's great but at the same time like it's also you know it has to work better than someone just China. taking your measurements in a fitting room yeah mm -hmm. which is the client telling experience we've had in this category yeah yes so for I'm just thinking about Rihanna of course who isn't <laughs> um, thinking about that unperfect EOC, I think having that celebrity or influencer backing does play, does add a little more value here just because it shows that there's this very respected figure acknowledging that there's a very imperfect system. Yeah. Whether that's bra shopping or just clothes shopping in general, sizes change, you know, fitting rooms, sometimes they're a mess, sometimes they're not. Um, so I think just having that acknowledgement of something that the consumer experiences shows that empathy. Mm -hmm. And I think that's at the heart of CX is delivering that empathy. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that's just resonating that with me. So well said. I, I think the CX experience in fitting rooms is like ripe for disruption. Because most fitting rooms make you look terrible. Yeah. And so I think it's not only about getting the right size, but like you will sell more stuff and you have a beautiful experience in fitting rooms. Make you, make you yeah. look the best you possibly can. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All they need to do is take a couple of uh, cues from the, uh, the gym industry, which has really figured out how to make the lighting right. perfect. So you keep coming back. Um, all right. Well, we're going to stick with beauty uh, uh, here. We're going to tag the next. Uh, two signals together looking at some futuristic CX uh, for this industry that we get to think a lot about here at Sparks and Honey. Yeah, so the first one we'll actually talk about is this new hydrofacial um, Syndio delivery system, which is a lot of words, but basically it delivers like a, a facial treatment that your esthetician can use uh, while you're comfortably laying down. So what this device does is that it's digitally connected um, to the core hydrofacial treatment, so the actual process of getting the facial, but also provides data-driven insights. 
Um, the device is built with cloud-based software that can retrieve customer history and preferences to really better inform the present treatment that you're getting, but also recommend products for your future visits. Um, so this is really supposed to enhance both the esthetician and the customer's experience so that your esthetician doesn't have to keep running back and forth, or if they never worked with you before, then they don't have to try to find this history from someone else. Mm. And if we jump to the next signal from um, Yves Saint Laurent, um, this one also speaks to going above and beyond to enhance the customer experience. So specifically, L'Oreal, one of their um, subsidiary brands, has partnered with Emotive, the neuroscience company, to help customers find the perfect fragrance. And so how this works is that it's a multi-step process. I had to review it quite a few times before understanding. So they'll arrive at the fragrance counter at a Yves Saint Laurent flagship store, where they'll take a short qualitative quiz on maybe the textures, the materials, and the scents they might like. Then after that, the quiz kind of spits out four to six proprietary scent groups that they might like. So it could be woodsy or floral, that kind of broad category. And then customers will smell each one of those recommended categories while wearing a multi-sensor headset. Um, that monitors their behavior, their preferences, their stress level, and attention level all in real time. And then afterwards, the final output you get is up to four fragrances that are recommended to you based on your emotional neural map, which you also get to look at as a customer. And so now that might sound really daunting, at least to me, because I have no idea how to shop for fragrances. But according to uh, Stefan Basie, the international general manager at Yves Saint Laurent, this setup was able to get 95% of customers the right fragrance, which is much higher than the usual, I don't know, spritz and sniff method that people usually do. <laughs> So altogether, both of these signals have really reinforced how tech-supported elements are the future of beauty CX, um, but they do really contrast in how frictionless this are, these are, right? Like the first one was very frictionless. This one has a little bit more friction because you have to wear that headset. Um, so my question for both the panel and the audience um, is really how can brands communicate the added value of a frictive experience to their customers? How can they prove that this is worth your time and your effort to go visit when the customer may have those barriers within them to go? Did you say frictive? Frictive, yes. That's a great word. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think, I think for a brand like this, it'll be a no-brainer because it's probably kind of a beautiful experience all around. Sure. For something mm -hmm. else, like a, like a common product at a store, I'm not sure. So you'd have to have some sort of big payoff, but I think it's huge. I mean, those, those, the success results are speaking right. themselves. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, I think we've embraced recommender systems for streaming movies and shows yeah. and songs. Let's take it to the next level. Yeah, I agree. And I, well, I, I have two thoughts here. My, my first thought is funny to take it back to like the, the high-end department store. I know I already brought up Saks Fifth Avenue kind of randomly, but like it does make you wonder if technologies like this or the previous signal, which I also thought was was very cool, if that isn't a real implication for high-end uh, brick-and-mortar retail, right? Um, because you know they're very good, I think, at coming up with this stuff based on an app or a quiz or, or whatever. But there is something about that real immersive experience, and maybe you know they, there's that giant area you enter in every fancy department store where it's like you know the beauty and makeup counter. I wonder if in the future, if if that space won't be reserved in part for something that maybe looks more like the Apple Store. You know that instead of having the high gloss mirrors and all that lighting, that feels like a space where you engage with with different technologies that as much as you're trying on the individual lipsticks or seeing if the, if the mascara is sort of the color that you want, these sort of new uh, frictionless experience or these immersive experiences that kind of push you to think a little bit differently. I could see that uh, being super valuable. I think that's a wonderful idea for, I mean, because first of all, 
like, why are stores set up that way? Like, a lot of people are turned off by that because they're trying to navigate the maze of people trying to yeah. sell them things. Mm -hmm. But what a great way to bring people into the stores who, like, wouldn't have, wouldn't have thought about it. And I think that's, I think that's amazing. Yeah. I bet they're set up that way as a legacy thing from like the 20 teens and 20s when department stores developed, right? Sure the rationale, but yeah. Well, if you think about it, that's an early, that is a non-digital immersive experience to go in. I don't know where people bought their makeup uh, at, the, at the turn of the century, but the idea that you could go in and you'd have these rich experiences, that's what keeps people coming back to their favorite person at the Clinique counter or whatever, or the YSL beauty counter. Um, but maybe it is time to bring in some new technology here. And I'll point out one other thing. I was talking about earlier about the, the, the value of going between sort of retail and healthcare and figuring out CX. What I love about beauty signals in this space is that it really straddles the two, right? Mm -hmm. It is about those sort of very intimate personal decisions you need to make around healthcare, but also the same sort of splurge retail decisions that come sort of elsewhere. So, you know, if nothing else, this is a really important sector I feel like for us to, to watch as we think about those frontiers of, of CX. Um, let's go to our final signal here. We've been talking a lot about uh, friction today and removing friction, maybe keeping it in a little bit here. And, um, you know, most of, uh, but I, I thought we'd jump into here and, and from this really interesting article about the value of deploying friction. And it's from the Harvard Business Review, so you know it's got to be good. Uh, Renee Richardson Gosling writes here uh, this really interesting piece, and I'll read a quote here that I thought summed up her argument in here pretty well. Quote, no doubt removing friction-based pain points can be beneficial, uh, as in the case of simplifying healthcare systems, voter registrations, and tax codes. But when it comes to the adoption of AI and machine learning and other frictionless technologies, some of these strategies can also lead to harm, from privacy to surveillance to concerns, to the algorithm's capacity to reflect and amplify bias and even ethical questions about how and when to use AI. She tells us that instead of no friction, what we might want is, and I thought this was a smart term beyond frictive, is good friction, right? Quote, a touch point along the journey uh, to a goal that gives humans the agency and autonomy to improve choice, rather than automating the humans out of the decision making. And as we think about things as simple as buying a new line of lipstick to something as complicated as, you know, you know life-saving healthcare, making people feel like they have some level of agency and not automating every part of the CX experience, uh, Richardson Gosling says here might be, be really valuable. So um, I guess where I'm getting at for, for this, and, and Saif, I might ask you to start here, is we've talked a lot about the technology today. Is, can you develop good CX without having that real understanding of, of human needs? Is CX as human as it is uh, innovative? Yeah, I often think of, of bucketing things into like two things, like things with, that people want to do yeah. without a lot of friction. Like I want to be able to change my address without calling up customer support, totally. right? And, and, and then there are things that you want to interact with a human for, yeah. right? And, and it's, it's disappointing when you're put into one bucket or the other bucket, mm -hmm. uh, but it's great if you have both. So you talk to a human. Yeah, so understanding where that good friction yeah. fits in and asking, and a, and a brand asking itself those smart decisions of, is, is, is good friction, is there good friction to add in changing someone's ad shipping address? Maybe to not get something thrown into your bushes, potentially. But yeah. for the most part, we want that good friction in those real human moments. Dan, I mean, thoughts? think about like a job of the future. There's, you know, I think there's people who are considered great salespeople, but like who and how do you become an amazing customer service person who knows how to navigate totally. those things, knows how to orchestrate it, knows how to come in and solve the problem. So I mean, that, yeah. I think that's something that companies should 
dialed down. I did once read an amazing article about the people. Do you know how uh, there's a couple airlines when you fly like constantly, they give you this black card and you can, this, I, I read a great article once about the people who man those telephones and like, answer like those. Yeah. yeah, that, those people are the future <laughs> CX. Do you have any thoughts here about humanity before we move to, to wrap ups and how to balance it out? Yeah, I mean, I have many thoughts about humanity, but... <laughs> That's why I work here, right? Yeah, my thought here is that just the present and future of CX is to really complement humanity. Um, I'm just thinking back to, like, my economics classes, where the very first principle they taught us was that humans are rational. No, we are not. We're mm. very far from rational, and I think AI, um, AR, all this great tech might often assume that we're trying to make the most rational decision, that we want to save time. I want to get the fastest solution, but we like having that friction. We like choosing for things in the store or having to talk to someone. Um, so keeping that good friction is really important. And just considering, you know, what are those mundane areas that are off limits for a brand to touch in is yeah. really important to think about. Yeah. What can we really leave to the robots? So that mm -hmm. that takes us to our wrap ups. And Kat, I, I will start with you here because I look. We talked a lot about frictionlessness today and what that means. Is that your key? trend, your, tr your key EOC for the day, or do you think there's one here that's maybe even more sort of applicable and one that a brand watching today might really, really want to pay attention to? Yeah, so unless we have, you know, good friction in parentheses under frictionless, um, I would actually argue for AI utilities, just because the, the way that EOC is defined is thinking about how AI-enabled services are entering a variety of touch points in the consumer's uh, life, right? Um, but I would also add that's more than just focusing on the AI technology themselves. It's focusing on the fact that you need to interact with those touch points. That it's not just discovering, buying, and then they're leaving our store. Yeah. It's about thinking about adopting personalization and prediction, maybe not even with AI, but making sure that those features are there, then that will really streamline your CX um, yeah. investments. I, I love that. Um, so, I, you know, I, I am struck in many ways by the fact that many of these signals are about Technology is sort of out there, and we're looking at different ways to operationalize it. So, what's a good insight about operationalizing some of this far, this this you know far out technology that we saw today? What's a, what's a, a, a valuable takeaway? Of? Um, I think there's a lot of possibilities, but we should use the right technology in the right place, mm -hmm. and use it probably to enhance and think about growing the pie mm -hmm. rather than reducing costs and frustrating customers. Yeah. Right? Uh, that, that's why I liked a lot of these automated fitting and these things, because they grow the pie. Yeah. Right? You, you get more customers and you get more engagement. You're not penny pinching them over, yeah. you know, something mundane. Yeah, I love that. And that goes back to our first signal where it was, you know, brands are often hesitant to invest in this stuff. But it just that, that's if it operationalizing, it's got to grow that pie. I absolutely love that. And Dan, I mean, so we've talked a lot about human needs today, yeah. trust, privacy, uh, serendipity. Which one, maybe two, uh, stuck out to you as being like really critical ones as we think about specifically these frontiers of CX? Yeah, I mean, I, the, the, kind of my last point I think is the most important. It's like hyper-empowering and training the human element of this. Because I think we've got the technology and it just keeps getting better. Yeah. And I think. We're rebalancing that, and in that rebalancing, that's where we need to bring that in. So wh however that happens, I think that's that's one of the big next keys. Yeah, very cool. I love that. I, I Guys, I loved this topic. I thought this was really cool, and I'm going to start bringing this to all my clients, throwing them these, these cool signals. Uh, that's going to take us through our briefing for the day. Thank you to, uh, to Kat, Dan, and Saif, and of course, our audience in studio and our audience online. You can join us Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday on our LinkedIn page at noon 
New York Times. While you're there, jump in the comment section. Let us know your thoughts on the subject. We're happy to answer questions, to pose them to the panel, and you know what you think about Rihanna's seal of approval. I'm assuming it's positive. Um, if you're interested in Q, the cultural intelligence platform we use to build today's briefing, it gives us those really rich quantitative and qualitative insights. We would love to give you a demo of it. It gives us really valuable insights, whether we're looking at things that are happening today or way out in the future. Uh, and speaking of the future, as I said, tomorrow we're going to continue with this theme a little bit, uh, where we're going to talk about uh, AR storytelling, so keeping it tech. Uh, and then the, the following day on Thursday, we're doing our Juneteenth briefing, which will be really amazing as well. So until tomorrow, consider yourselves briefed.